0: Welcome to another episode of Sanctuary Radio. This is a podcast brought to you by Sanctuary Recovery Centers. Our mission is to break the stigma surrounding addiction, to empower others to live addiction-free lives, providing hope to those who suffer from addiction and offer continued care and true healing. All right, here we are, another episode of Sanctuary Radio.
1: Super excited for this one.
0: Oh, and he, I mean, and we have the big OG Bobby Johnson on. <laughs> Tony Johnson is on today. And first, my co host, Haley.
1: What's up, everybody? Oh,
0: there she is, hair done.
1: I'm struggling, struggling a oh, little bit. Oh, you're on today. the struggle bus? Yeah.
0: When are I'm you tired. not on the struggle bus? That's, <laughs> That's what true. I'm trying to figure That's out.
1: That's true. I read the short bus daily. Yeah, so. you read the short That's bus absurd. daily.
0: <laughs> and, and so today's episode, we have our very own. B-H-T, lead B-H-T at one of our P-H-P houses, Tony Johnson. So welcome, Tony, to the show.
1: Thanks for having me, Jay.
0: Yeah, you're you're very welcome. (laughs) I mean, it's the least I could do. Did I make your gratitude list today?
2: You make my gratitude list every day. Right? You can come back on wow, the show anytime. there's a bromance
1: brewing oh, yeah, right yeah. now. I'm, oh, there's bromance almost yeah. three years in the making. I was oh, going to say, know, I, I, know I know feel like, like a third wheel right now. Yeah, it's
2: cool. You know, yeah, you're, you're fit right in. It it's like, weird so
0: yeah, then. it's like when you, your parents take you on a date. Yeah. Yeah, you're driving right now.
1: Okay, yeah. perfect. Yeah. There
0: yeah, we go. Keep your eyes forward.
1: <laughs> <laughs> don't look in the backseat. <laughs> yeah,
0: don't look in the backseat. It might get real weird around here. And so, you know, and speaking of which, I've also done a fist step with him, so it's been weird already between us.
2: Oh, it's gotten real weird. Yeah, it's gotten real weird. Remix
0: weird. Yeah, it's (laughs) it's gotten real weird. So, you know, me and Tony met, you know, back in, uh, we were in prison together. We met at Florence North Unit and, you know, uh, I had seen Tony um, on the yard and, uh, you know, I was still in the midst of my active addiction and, Mm -hmm. you know, you were still in the midst of your uh, sales game, if you will. I bought some spice off of you on the yard and that was the last time I seen you. And then the next time I see you, you, I seen you, why don't you tell them the next time, the very next time we, we saw each other.
2: Well, the next time, next time, the the next time I saw you, like it wasn't you, like you barely resembled like the dude that you were, you know, Mm. like, um, you're like literally glowing, bro. Like, and, and you started to tell me about recovery And explaining what it was and what you're doing. And honestly, I was just looking at you trying to see the angle, you know?
0: Yeah, so Haley, I was, uh, you know, (laughs) I was the guy who did orientation on the yard. So every single newcomer that came to the yard, I was up there giving like a halftime speech at the Super Bowl. Okay.
1: Mm -hmm. And
0: uh, You you do that
1: every day around here.
0: I do. Thank you. Some would say I'm like the Bill Belichick. Would they say that? I, I don't, don't even know, know who Bill say that. with a personality. Yes. With a personality. All right. Yeah. Yeah. Like yeah. greatest of all time, self-proclaimed goat. Yeah, there you go. Don't I don't like, even know like, who yeah. That is, yeah, I better so. call my sponsor with all that ego. Yeah, uh but e- either way, you know. To hear that. Yeah. <laughs> and and either way, you know, I was up there and, you know, I would see these people and it was really powerful because, you know, all these guys that knew me in my active addiction, when they'd either come back to prison, which was his case, or they would, you know, be brought back to our unit, they would right. see me and they'd be like, wait, you're doing what now? You're doing recovery now?
1: Isn't there a story in the big book that talks about that similar experience?
0: Yeah, I mean, so at the end of the doctor's opinion, it talks about that being visual proof, you know, seeing someone that you haven't seen in a while. And we go from being trembling, nervous, despairing wrecks, you know, to a man brimming over with self-reliance and contentment. And they know it's us because they could partially recognize our features, but from there, all resemble its ends. And we become visual proof that they can do it. If we can do it, they can do it. And that's what happened. And, you know, I invited you to a meeting, And, you know, the rest is history. We'll kind of talk about that. You know, once we meet back up and we start working the steps together, we'll kind of close out the episode. But, you know, we don't do multiple prison sentences and you surely don't come to work at, you know, sanctuary recovery centers without a story, without Mm -hmm. a past. I mean, and Haley, you got a pass and you got a story.
1: I know I have a laundry list. Yeah. Um, I have real skeletons in my closet. So
0: yeah. We're keep that shut for right still now. Still there. Yeah they're, <laughs> yeah. they're still there. We're, we're working on them. Exactly. We'll weaponize the program. Progress, not perfection. Right. Haley? Every time. Yeah. Every
1: time. Yeah. So
0: your journey starts in Seattle. I mean, shout out Seahawks.
2: Shout out Seahawks. Shout out day. Russell Wilson. You know what? I don't even <laughs> want to talk about that.
0: Oh, you don't want to talk yeah. about that? It's
2: a slippery slope. You're yeah. On, it's a
0: slippery slope. Shout out Pete Carroll.
2: Shout out Pete Carroll. Okay. All, all, right.
0: all right. Okay. We'll see what he can do. Yeah. And uh, so why don't you talk a little bit about what it was like um, growing up in Seattle, the family dynamic, your dad, um, you know, your mom left when you were two years old and you were raised by your dad and th- all the trauma you experienced. Why don't you share a little bit about that time period?
2: So, you know, like uh, coming into the world, you know, in Seattle, it's a raining place, you know, and um, I had a lot of rainy days, you know, like. My mom, like you said, she left when I was about two years old, like, and that left me, me and my dad. My dad was actually in recovery, you know. But he always wasn't in recovery. He wasn't always in recovery. Like, I'm the the product of two addicts and alcoholics, you know. Um, But I didn't know, you know, what that looked like with my dad. You know, I never saw my dad have a drink. I never saw him do a drug like he was just sometimes he'd take me to these these rooms full of weird people. Oh, weird people. And yeah, they'd be smoking a bunch of cigarettes and drinking coffee and talking about their lives and stuff and like I I remember it like vaguely, you know, like at a young age like walking into the rooms and and I was actually a part of my dad's recovery, you know, looking back on things now. Didn't realize it when it was happening. But um yeah, like uh my mom was in active addiction and um You know, life was just too much for her. You know, she wasn't ready to live life on life's terms, not for a kid, not for my dad. And she bounced and went back out, you know, and never came back. Mm. Um, My dad ended up marrying a lady uh, when I was about three, four years old. You know, and and I remember, like, being so excited, like, on their wedding day because I was going to have a whole family and more brothers and sisters and, and um, my brother, Herschel, I kept, like, asking him over and over, like, are we brothers yet? Are we brothers yet? You know, it was <laughs> yeah. exciting, you know? Yeah. I didn't know what I was in for. So um, my stepmom, like, she wasn't she wasn't a very good pe- person, you know? Um, I experienced a lot of abuse, you know? Like, at an early age, like, uh, it's just constant beatdowns. Like, I couldn't do anything right. Like, um, I was lied to a lot. Like I was told that you know I was worthless. Like you know I was a punk. You know like I was the B word. You know like um. You ever heard the B word, Haley? Yeah.
1: Yeah, my kids say it all the time. Yeah, your, your kids <laughs> say it all
0: the time. <laughs> my kids are feral, bro. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they are.
1: <laughs> you came over to the house on Saturday. Yeah, I'm just trying not to that. cuss right now.
0: Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I, yeah. I brought so we went to tour a facility that her, her family's involved in. It's part of Sanctuary Recovery Centers. That's getting ready to open. I brought my daughter. And, you know, the, her 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 kids wanted to show them, a little, my daughter, a little tour. And then one of her sons puts the other son in a chokehold and uses a curse word. And my daughter's traumatized. She's like, whoa. I, I tried to warn <laughs> you guys. Bellend. My kids
1: are straight up feral. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I and call so them my crotch goblin.
0: And so you had some, you know, some trauma, man. You got some abuse. You had some trauma. And, you know, it didn't stop. And it lasted for a, a prolonged period of time. I mean. You know, but you did have one outlet, and that one outlet was football, man. What did football <clears throat> mean to you? Well, football
2: meant the world to me. You know, like uh, it's really weird for a kid's safest place to be on a football field. You know, but um, that's what showed me, you know, most of the love that I got when I was a kid. You know, mm. like you know that camaraderie from the sport. You know that being on a, on the field, getting a sack, scoring a touchdown. Like, you know, that high that I got from that, that validation, you know, validation, like completely, you know, and um, and I was decent, you know, like I was decent at it. I was finally good at something. So, you know, like I said, like being told that I was dumb and I was worthless and, you know, I was never going to be anything. Well, now I'm showing myself that I can be something. And, um, yeah, just it felt really good being out there. You yeah.
0: Know? I mean, with your size, you were probably what, like a slot receiver?
2: Yeah, I was a running back, linebacker. Yeah, you know, like
0: I was a pretty big boy. Yeah, you know, no, I mean, nothing's changed, brother. You might want to hit that treadmill a little bit, brother. Jason, oh, what? What happened? You
2: know what What <laughs> happened? 6'2", <Six Two, laughs> yeah, you know,
0: Not more a big, to love. Baby. It's not a more big to deal. Love. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it's not a big deal. And so, you know, you're playing football, but it, you know things are horrible at home, and you know, you, you know, I've had the privilege of sponsoring you, and you're part of my team, and we work together, and you know, we're friends as well, and so. You know, I know there's a period of time when you wouldn't want to go home. Why don't you share a little bit about that? Yeah, so,
2: you know, I think that all humans, like, I mean, obviously, we all have, like, that fight or flight instinct. You know, we're going to do what we have to do to survive. So I made a choice, like, in about the fourth grade, that um I would rather take an ass-whooping by my dad with a belt than let this lady beat up on me with her fists. So after school, I was supposed to go straight home from school, you know, like any kid's supposed to do, like go home where it's safe. And um, instead of going home, I'd find friends to go hang out with. I'd go to the community center. If I didn't have anybody to hang out with at all, I'd hide behind the the house and wait for my dad to come home. You know, and every day I'd lie to my dad about where I was because I was scared of her. So... My dad would be like, you know, where were you? Oh, I was at Hutchinson, you know, the community center. Or I was at this guy's house, or I was doing this. And, you know, when you're a kid, you think that your lies are so great, but my lies obviously sucked. Like, my Mm -hmm. dad never believed me. He always knew I was lying. So I'd get whooped for not coming home from school and for lying. But I was so scared to tell my dad, like, I'm scared to come home because this lady's going to beat the shit out of me, Mm -hmm. you know? I'd rather take that ass whooping from him with a belt then just get banged on all night, you know? Yeah, and so that's just a description of the type of trauma that you were experiencing. You ever been whooped with a bell, Haley?
1: Yes.
0: You have? Yeah, yeah I've been
1: out. whooped with a lot of different things. Yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> it checks out. Yeah. Okay, and so, uh, you know, when you're 10 years old, you know, your dad has a stroke, and that's a major event. You know, he's pretty much paralyzed or crippled, if you will. I hate to even use those words to speak about your father, but he was in bad shape after that stroke. And so that just pretty much left you with that lady, right? And the abuse that went on in the home and you didn't even have your dad to stick up for you anymore. And, you know, you had some stepbrothers and stepsisters and, you know, you weren't definitely weren't treated on the same playing field. That's for sure. Nah. And, you know, that was a pretty bad situation. And you know, finally after everything, you know, we have these, just like I did, I had big dreams of going pro and then once that dream isn't there anymore, you know, because it's a full-scale thing to become a professional. You got to be, you know, nutrition. You got to have the proper equipment. You got to be able to hit the weight pile. You got to right. be able to do all those things. You ever hit the weights, Haley? Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Sometimes.
0: Pilates.
2: No, Look like it.
0: Yoga.
1: These are just natural guns. Oh, you're so on the nat. Na- oh, you're I mean. on the nat right now. Yeah. I it. Oh,
0: you're on the natch right now. Okay, my bad. <laughs> And so finally you say, you know what, you almost, you become pretty much homeless in Seattle. And so finally you make a geographical change because you got some brothers and sisters. And when you're 17, you know. You move out to Las Vegas. Yeah. Now, are we talking that. about Tropicana? Are we talking about Fremont Street? Oh, yeah. Or are we talking about Henderson?
2: 6255 West Tropicana. Oh. Trop and Jones. Oh, Foyho's right. Village. Oh, you
0: know? oh let, let it be known. That's Sh- where we did it. That's where you did it. So you move out when you're 17. Why don't you talk a little bit about what it was like, you know, moving out to – and your reasoning behind even moving out there. Why don't you talk about that
2: time period for us? Well, see, my reasoning behind everything was I do have – you know half brothers and sisters that are my brothers and sisters you know how many um my dad had 18 kids all day like yeah. somewhere around there yeah he must not like, have had cable yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> my dad was born in 1933 bro he's been doing it big all over the map <laughs> that's you know? crazy but um what happened was you know like my brothers and sisters were my heroes you know like when i went over there like i was always safe they were pimps and prostitutes and drug addicts and alcoholics and and that But they were the safe people, you know, so those were my heroes. So when I came of age, like, I was like, you know what? I'm going where my brothers and sisters are. I'm not going to be in Seattle anymore dealing with this rain because when you're homeless in the rain, that sucks. Right. I don't know if you ever had soggy socks before. That's Haley? Hard, you know?
1: Have I? <laughs> yeah, have you had
2: Haley? Have you had soggy uh, socks? I think
1: everyone's socks? experienced having soggy socks soggy before. Soggy socks every really day is, is different. Yeah. It's <laughs> different, you know?
2: <laughs> but, um, so, yeah, like, I decided... I'm going to Vegas. Like, it's going to be sunny. I'll be with my brothers and sisters where in my head, there's still these heroes. Because you
0: bounced around for a period of time, too, where you were in Vegas, you were in Seattle, you were in Wyoming, Wyoming. you were bouncing wherever it could be safe, because you also got a check when you were younger. Yeah. So, you know, if I I showed
2: up, like, you got a couple bucks for it, you know? Yeah. yeah, So, everyone
0: wanted you around for the summer. Yeah.
2: So, I mean, but that's what happened. Like, I, I get back to Vegas, and when I show up, things are different. Like, now. Like, how different? Now, my brothers and sisters have been active addiction for the last 18 years, you know, ever since I was born. Like, uh, you could see the wear that it's had on them. The progression. Yeah, the progression of the illness, you know, like, um, they're not glowing anymore. You know, they don't have all that money anymore, you know, none of the shiny things. And it had me messed up because I'm like, like, what the fuck happened? Yeah, you showed you up know? at the trap house. I mean, yeah, basically. Yeah, that's exactly Ailey, what it was.
0: You ever spend any time in a trap house?
1: Yes. You
2: look like you've seen a trap house.
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: yeah, maybe you've seen one or two.
1: I mean, I think trap houses are a little different in Wickenburg. Oh, trap trailers? They're just sketchy. I don't <laughs> even know if you call trap them a trap. Quarter house. acres. Yeah. 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 <laughs> all right. Single wide yeah, trailer, yeah. and you know, there's about 30 trailers that are all the same. They don't
2: even open the window. They yeah. just use the hole in the trailer. Oh yeah. God. <laughs> so you li- if you live in a single wide, then you're really hood. Yeah, you.
1: Yeah, just go to Wickenburg, and there's like a whole area where it's just meth. Yeah, trailers yeah. everywhere. I get that. They so call yeah. it the property. That's so. basically
2: how the foothills were. Like <clears throat> it was like your Wickenburg trailers. Mm-hmm. But um, like with me, you know, I, I never had that violence in me. Like I never had anger or rage or anything in me. And now I'm in Vegas, you know, like surrounded by sharks, wolves, you know, all the predators. And me not having that natural like, you know, violent streak in me. That's how I, I became an alcoholic. Like, I realized, you know, when I had a couple beers in me, when I got a bottle, when I had a few drinks, well, then, yeah, I'm ready to fight. Like I'm ready to tear shit up because I had a lot of anger and resentment inside of me, you know. Like, that wasn't fair how I was raised. You know, that wasn't fair what I went through in Seattle. Nothing was fair. Life was so unfair. So alcohol gave me the courage to go out there and turn into killer. And that was your nickname in the streets. Yeah. What was
0: your nickname in the streets, Haley?
1: Uh-huh. I don't have a nickname from the streets. You don't have one? Well, I mean, I had a nickname when I was drinking. Which was? She-Hulk. She-Hulk. Yeah. Because I would fight any grown man when I got liquor inside me. I was a straight up, sh- like, She-Hulk. Like, like I just... And you're a rah! cowgirl, so
0: do you have a chew in your mouth, too?
1: Always. i I have one in right now yeah you do i wasn't gonna (laughs) say anything every day all (laughs) the time
2: (laughs) (laughs) did that
0: (laughs) and so now you know you you know because you started drinking in eighth grade you know football parties after football games and you know you like the effect just like we all do when we start using but now you know you know you're pretty much on your own in vegas i mean you know you you can't take care of you know your brothers and sisters are an active addiction so they ain't taking care of nobody Mm. you know so now you got to drink and you know and it's violent out there. You ever been to Vegas, Haley? Yeah, how many times? Oh yeah,
1: we used to go um, every December for the NFR.
0: Did you play any blackjack?
1: No, I don't gamble.
0: You don't gamble? Mm-mm. No, did you see any shows?
1: I do sometimes. I uh, do the slots, but I try to stay oh, with cards. St- First of all, I'm slots, slow. Huh? Yeah, you know this about me. I'm very slow, so I don't. I can't keep up with cards. It confuses me.
0: So. Yeah, you can't pay attention. No. You're, you're the person that's sitting on the far left at the blackjack table, and you, you know what I mean? Fucking it all. Yeah, man. and it just gets all bad. Everybody's I don't even
1: like watching you. people play cards. Mm-hmm. Like, I just keep to myself in Vegas. So. Hitting on
2: 17.
0: Yeah, so now you're in Vegas, and, you know, ultimately, man, you got to figure out a way to make some money to survive, and so that's when your um, sales of, you know, narcotics and drugs, and, you know, comes into play, and so now we go on this period where, you know, you start selling. What was that like?
2: Well... Initially, like I said, like, I thought that alcohol was going to make me violent, like, and the violence was going to protect me so I wouldn't have any problems in the streets. I got, my, I got myself shot, you know, being drunk and mean and, and raging all over the place. So then the, the drug dealing thing, like, I had changed addictions from alcohol to selling drugs because if i had money then i'd be powerful right mm. and um and that's what i believed you know like um without that home training like i i kept teaching myself different ways to be a man you know and um and the lie became the truth so that money was validating me that money was uh making me have all the shiny things the cars the jewelry like you know women like, uh, you know, I was the cool kid. Everybody loved me. My phone always rang, you know. And um, and that was, like, really important to me, coming from that kid that nobody loved. Now everybody loves me. I didn't know what it was going to bring, though.
0: Yeah, and so, it, you know, it all goes so good till it all goes so bad. Right. I mean, has that ever happened to you, just going all bad?
1: Yeah, all the time, every day. Every day. <laughs> every day. No, I'm just kidding. And, but, yeah, I can relate. Every
0: day you're in that flight or fight.
1: All, all the time. All the yeah. time.
0: But it goes so bad for you. And like, I mean, almost as bad as you can get, death being, you know, the worst it could be, obviously. But, you know, you get shot, right?
2: So why don't you talk about what happened that, that day when you got shot? Well, that night, um, I was actually drinking McCarty 151, like blacked out drunk. It was Christmas Eve. Shouldn't even have been out of the house. Um, they came and, my, you know, my buddies came and woke me up and said some skinheads were trying to jump him. And um I just jumped up thinking I was just going to go get in a regular fight, you know? But I'm blacked out drunk and I show up and um and these dudes honestly I think they were just scared, you know? Because I'd been in so many fights because I was so wild. Like I showed up at that store and um and they weren't playing with me. So we started fighting and uh I got into it with a couple of them. I tr- I ha- I started getting a bad feeling like I needed to get out of there and when I turned around then I saw a dude with a pistol. And uh, he plugged me, you know, and um, I went into that store able-bodied. I came out leaking, you know. A few of my friends were outside. They—they're actually the ones that told me I was shot. Uh, shout out to Lanny. Mm-hmm. You know, Lanny was out there, and I—and I was dying, you know, like I was dying over my alcoholism. That's what it was about, you know. Yeah, mm-hmm. and, and that's hard. You know, it was—it was hard. So then they rush you to
0: the hospital and, you know, you heal up in the hospital. Obviously, you survive, right? You got a pretty gnarly scar on your stomach. got shot in the stomach and, you know, but from there you start to develop this crazy little thing called anxiety, right? <clears throat> and yeah. so what ends up happening once you start
2: to experience anxiety? Well, I um honestly, in the beginning, like I had no idea what it was. Like I felt like I was dying every day, you know? And I noticed that when I drank a little bit, it would take the edge off and I wouldn't have any anxiety. But I also realized that I couldn't stay drunk every day. I just got shot, you know, like it was over alcohol. Like I've never been a stupid person. So I go to the doctors and, you know, I let them know what's going on and everything. They're like, "Okay, you got post-traumatic stress disorder. You know, you've been like abused. You've been seeing people die. You almost died yourself. So what we're going to do is we're going to put you on this prescription like uh, we're going to give you some Paxil or or I think the first one was Zoloft and we're going to give you some Xanax. Oh, mm, the good stuff. Oh, the yeah. good stuff. You I mean, you you like Xanax
1: the back first, in the day? Yeah, the first time I ever tried Xanax, I was getting my side tattoo done mm. and uh, she's like, here, take this. This will help with the pain. I don't remember getting this tattoo. Mm-hmm. and i woke up in a hotel and an ex-boyfriend had driven down from camp verde to take me home because i was just blacked out
2: like yeah. I have no idea how i got there
1: yeah, yeah. and then i have this badass piece on my side i was like all right well yeah. I definitely don't remember the pain and so that was
0: ultimately like your first like real i mean drug of choice if you will mm-hmm. for a long period of time because for the next let's just say until another traumatic event happens in your life you know, for about five or six years, you're just taking Xanax. You're not drinking. You're just selling
2: dope. It's like the drug that wasn't. That's how I feel about, you know, prescription drugs. It's how I felt about prescription drugs. Because I wasn't drinking, and I wasn't smoking weed, and I wasn't doing meth or anything like that. I was getting these pills from the doctor. Right. So that made it okay, you know. And, um, you know, on that pill bottle, it says, you know, take one tablet daily or as needed. Well, I honestly believed that I was never supposed to feel anxiety, that a, a adult is never supposed to have anxiety. So anytime I'd feel some anxiety, I'd take more. And I was just on autopilot all day long, you know, all through my, my 20s, you know. It's hard to even look back and remember everything because I was on tranquilizers all the time. Right. And when I didn't have them, it was 30 times worse all the time. But I wasn't a drug addict because I got them from the doctor. You know? Yeah. If anyone's That's ever like done common. Yeah, when the doctors prescribe mm-hmm. them to you. Yeah. And if you've ever done Xanax for
0: Volumes or Adavans for a prolonged period of time, you know, you black out all the time. And you wake up in the morning and you almost do like the Macarena. You're like, okay, my arms are there. Where's my, <laughs> where's uh, my, my keys? Are my wallet? Wallet? Yeah, like, Is the car out front? And, checking the text
2: messages. Yeah.
0: Like, did I send any crazy messages? Mm, you know, done yeah, that once or twice. Done that once mm-hmm. or twice. Then you got your, your girl shows up or your boyfriend, your, you, you just kind of spot check them. Good yeah. morning. <laughs> Just to want.
1: see if they're gonna be snippy or not.
0: Yeah. yeah. And, if, and if she's like, Oh good morning, babe, you're like, Yes.
2: <laughs> yeah, I got away with that yeah, one. Yeah, it's
0: all good. Right. And sometimes not so much. Sometimes know? not so much. And so many
2: people were mad at me.
0: Yeah, right. And uh, you know, you continue to sell drugs and then you, you you want to, you know, you're kind of, you know, trying to back out the game because, you know, you see that there's no longevity in it, right? Mm-hmm. And so you have your best friend, his name's Fly and, you know, R.I.P. And you turn it over to him and, uh, you know, he ends up getting killed, right? Talk about that time period, losing your best friend.
2: Well, see, um, like you said, like, I, I I realized there was no longevity in the game. Like, and, you know, I have a mom that took me in from the neighborhood. Yeah, shout out young. mom. Like, I love mom. Yeah. Like, um, and, you know, we talk a lot about something else. Cause she'd always tell me tony you're too smart for this like you're too good for this like why are you doing this you know and she never condemned me for what i did but she just she didn't condone what i did mm-hmm. you know so anyways um <clears throat> you know i meet a i meet a girl and she's from new mexico and um i decide i'm gonna move to new mexico so i left fly running the show flying my boy mel um You know, I changed locations, changed geographical locations. I uh, was working in a daycare. I'm going to school. You know, I thought that that was the answer now. I got a good relationship with a girl. Like, I'm in school. I'm working. I'm doing everything that a normal person does. So now I'm going to be normal, right? And then uh, I realized really fast out there, I didn't fit in. Like, I wasn't ready to leave the money that I was making in Vegas. Like, I wasn't I didn't want to be in that relationship. I I was merely using her to fill this void that I had inside of myself. I was looking for her out, you know. And uh, when I told Fly that, you know, I was coming back, I mean, from the stories that I hear, he started melting down. He thought he wasn't going to have the money anymore. And uh, he was hanging out with some chick, and she set him up. And they killed him, you know. Like, over a couple thousand dollars that they didn't even take. They didn't take the money. Um... They shot him a bunch of times and kicked him out of the car and left him on the side of the street leaking. The neighbor said they laughed and spit on him, and they left him like that. Mm -hmm. So when I found out about that, um, you know, Zanuck started getting double-timed, you know, because the guilt that I felt from that, the guilt that I felt because I put him in that position, because I should have taught him better, because I should have warned him, because it should have been me, you know, that's how I felt back then, and and I could never change that, you know, but um, I changed who I am, and every day I make my amends for that, because that was rough. Yeah, it was rough, and you know, and so
0: now you end up, uh, you know, having to go back, because you got this business, you lose a friend, your best friend at that, you know, you get married, you mm. have your son Jordan, Yeah, big shout out to Jordan, he just graduated eighth grade or what? He just
2: graduated He's eighth grade. He's so cute. Grade. I
1: see your posts about him on Facebook.
0: And, you know, God's working miracles in your life. And slowly but surely, yes. you know, one day soon on God's time, you'll have that ability to be a dad again and a father. Mm-hmm. And it's all coming back around. You know, it's we always want these things come back right away, right? But it's, you know, sometimes we're not God. it takes time. It does. And sometimes yeah. it does take time. And so you, you do a little bit of jail time in Vegas. You know, you do that big, long jail sentence, just long enough to get your first piece of mail. You do four months.
2: Four months hard time
0: you were hard time in four months big killer in there yeah right commissary fights
2: never been in prison yeah Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) and so you know then you get out with you you find god while you're in there yeah yeah i opened up a bible someone started showing me how to read like i started doing bible says i i found the answer then for sure like i i knew that was the answer yeah you had a firm resolution never to do the never to use again use again like that's that's retarded like you don't you don't use if you just pray and read a bible yeah that's it that's yeah. all you had what but do they
0: what do they say Haley? faith without works is dead there yeah. you, go. I do know there that you one. go you know that one <laughs> I do yeah know that one. so
2: like, that didn't work <laughs> it didn't work yeah, and you I've started the you know.
1: pray pray the addiction away before it doesn't yeah it doesn't yeah. work no
2: not even a little bit Mm-mm. i mean maybe for some didn't yeah. work for me. Yeah,
0: it like, didn't work for me either. You know? And so you start selling dope again, and, uh, you know, now another traumatic event happens over uh, a Seattle
2: Seahawks jersey. Sean Alexander, baby.
0: Sean Alexander jersey. You know, why don't you just briefly, you know, tell the story about, because you get ran over by a vehicle and drug like 300 yards.
2: Oh, no, 500 feet.
0: Oh, 500 feet.
2: Yeah. Okay. Yeah.
0: So why don't you just tell that brief story because this is a real pivotal moment in your story because after this accident, you know, you get introduced to opiates, drugs, drugs, real drugs, yeah, not the
2: pretend drugs I was taking before. <laughs> but um, yeah. So, uh, so long story short, I leave a Seahawks jersey at this dude's house. You know, the dude owed me some money already. I leave the jersey over there. I was already mad about the money, but but I'm trying to help him, right? Like I'm I'm looking for a detox to get him into because he has a drug problem. Yeah, not you, not me at all. You know, he was doing heroin. So you definitely need to go to detox and get your life straight, you know, (laughs) when really I just wanted him to keep selling my weed for me and, you know, making my money and and fix that shit. So anyways, I leave this jersey over there it's really ironic. Like, you know, I call him and, you know, he doesn't want to answer the phone, you know, because he's about to sell this jersey. It was an official, like, you know, game jersey. And, um, I tell him I'm going to break his jaw, right? So, uh. That night, he sends the cops to my house. Like, he's scared for his life. Like, blah, 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 all this stuff. And I'm, like, outraged. Like, who the fuck sends the cops to my house, you know? So, um, I decide to chalk it up. Well, a few months later, like, I get in an argument with with my ex. And, uh, I leave the house pissed off because she doesn't want to give me the car keys to go to the casino. Um you ever left you ever got an
0: argument left the house pissed off
2: Haley?
1: yeah all the time
2: no car keys huh is there any other I've way to, to places, leave the house yeah yeah, yeah I'm, when i'm, I'm angry yeah. like i don't
1: give a crap i'm but getting out of here yeah and i'm gone yeah ain't i'll run you me. over if i have the car anyway so yes. if well, i'm that mad
2: it's funny you say that because <laughs> i'm walking through this parking lot i see dude and i i approached his truck and uh And I asked him for my jersey. Oh, you asked him? I asked Politely? Politely. Uh Uh-huh. I don't know. I don't know how I asked him. Yeah, okay. I was probably pretty aggressive, I imagine. There we go. He's probably scared to death, you know? Like, he got this big 280-pound dude tripping that he already called the cops on. Like, I'd imagine there was a lot of red flags there. So, uh, he slammed on the gas. He hit me and drugged me 500 feet. Then ran my body and my arm and my face over. I had 47 (sighs) fractures. I was in... A coma for three months i come out of the coma strung out on opiates and that's what really i've
1: seen me. that scar on your shoulder you just showed me that the other day it's pretty gnarly
2: Yeah, you your face reconstructed facial reconstruction uh like all my ribs on my right side are broken third degree burns over 26 percent of my body mm. shoulder skin graft all down my back like um yeah it was gnarly so we talk about the trauma from the
0: childhood, we talk about getting shot, we talk about right. our best friend, you know, you know, getting, you know, murdered and killed and, you know, running a business, the guilt, the shame that comes from that and then getting drug and being in a coma for three months. And, you know, when we really truly look at that, because that's a million dollar question we ask everyone when they first come into recovery, I like to, you know, there's some tough questions about recovery, like why, mm-hmm. why do you continue to use drugs? Right. And you know typically their their answer would be they like the Effects. Effects. God, we're on a roll. Is that two for two today, <laughs> Haley? is two for two. Oh, we're doing good. <laughs> they like the effects. That's a pretty decent answer. I use it because I like it. Okay, that's good. But if you, what's another answer? And usually we don't really have an answer until we work a four and a five. When we see that we're completely consumed by resentment, we got PTSD, we have had traumatic events that are untreated, um, we're full of guilt, shame, embarrassment, remorse, regret. Right. We're full of these things and drugs and alcohol are the solution. Don't mm-hmm. think, don't feel, don't... <laughs> don't. Don't care. I was going to say. Uh, yes. That was good. We're doing a little trivia right now. Right yeah. all right. It's That's okay. My fa- he does it to me all the time. That's yeah. my favorite thing to do. And don't that, think,
2: don't feel, don't care.
0: Don't think, don't feel, don't care. We don't we don't care about it. We don't think about it and we don't feel it. You know. Right. And so we get caught in that cycle of a spree where we just continue to use because we don't want to feel it or think about it or care about it. And so now, though, you got this crazy little thing called a opiate addiction, which, you know, now we throw a little bit of mm. meth in the mix. Mm. What was it like when you, the first time, because I remember this story, the first time you experienced being uh, dope sick, physically dependent now, and you were in withdrawal the first time?
2: Oh, my God. I, um, I was supposed to be taking my kids to basketball practice at YMCA. And, um, you know, I had ran out of pills, actually, the, the day before, and I decided i 'm done I'm just, which was
0: be like because you were getting a ton of scripts so it wasn't this oh. is like the first time in you know maybe couple like a year
2: I no this is actually the first time in like maybe three and a half four months yeah okay I I just ate like over a thousand pills in that that time period though you know so um yeah I just decided cold turkey I'm gonna quit I don't need them anymore and um I was sitting on the couch i I couldn't get up like I couldn't move like you know those those first few hours were bearable. Like, um, I was dope sick, you know? I started crying. I reached out to my brother and, you know, like he was uh opiate addict, you know? And I was like, dude, like I don't I don't know what's going on right now, you know? And um He's like I do. Yeah. <laughs> I know exactly like, Baby brother, like like you're you're addicted, you know, like you you need some you need some dope you know And i was like you know not me you know like i'm i'm not gonna do any heroin like i don't do that kind of shit and he's like baby brother you're already on heroin you just didn't know it yet so what you need to do is you need to go back to the doctors and you need to tell them to get this monkey off your back before you find a gorilla on it dang Yeah, That was real. Yeah, it was real. And, you know, how common
0: is it, Haley, when, because you do all of our admissions, you're constantly filling all the beds that we have. And also, you know, working with other treatment facilities, you know, of our previous podcasts, we brought a lot of um, people on from other facilities. Shout out Megan Riversource, you know you know, shout out to Crossroads. And we had, you know, what was his name on there?
1: Peter Meyerhoff. We
0: had Peter Meyerhoff. um, Justin. Wisely. Uh,
1: Yeah, Marcus. Marcus
0: was on our last show. And so we're continuing to network because when we're full, we continue to, you know, work. We're a team. And that's why we do this podcast and bring them on because we all work together. But how common do you think it is when, you know, when you see all these opiate addicts that are out there now, typically it starts with pain pills. Is that usually your Typically
1: it's a doctor's prescription. Get gets him hooked, and then they just cut him off, and then they just go to the streets for their medication. And and that's how my dad's opiate addiction started. Yeah. He broke his neck in a horse accident, and they mm. were feeding it to him like candy, and then they put in all those stipulations in place, took it away from him, and my sister was like, hey, try heroin. Yeah. It's mm. cheaper. And that was the same thing <laughs> with yeah. me. Yeah.
0: Knee injury with pills, and the next thing you know, I'm doing heroin, you know? Right. It happens so quick, but once we start, you know, doing that those types of drugs, well, any drugs bring negative consequences to our life, but... You know, especially heroin and meth. You throw those two, that combo, in the mix. Ultimately, you land in prison. Now you're out in Arizona now, and uh, you catch your first prison sentence. You do three and a half years, mm-hmm. and that's where we run into each other for the first time. But we're both on different paths at this time. Yeah. You know, you're yeah. doing your things. And you're selling, and I'm out there just doing my thing and running amok. Yeah, running amok. <laughs> Last time I seen him, I got him to sell me some uh, some spice right in the middle of the yard, broad daylight. And he Cops was everywhere. Yeah, he was so mad about it. And I was like, look, brother, come on.
2: Just give me that yeah, spice. Yeah, you know what it is. Ew, I don't yeah, even I like spice. nothing. Yeah. All he's worried about is smoking this steak. Yeah. It'd be all good. It'd be yeah. a perfect world again.
0: And then so, you know, you do that three and a half year prison sentence. I mean, you worked in the GED. You were tutoring some people there. You know, mm-hmm. you did all that. And you had, again, this firm resolution to get out and be a father and to reconnect and to do all these things. And, you know, but this time when you get out, you go to a halfway house, sober living, and now all of a sudden, now you
2: know, because I know you likes to wear them Jordans, brother. Oh yeah, like <laughs> and yeah. those ain't cheap. Like I'm, I'm, I'm a pretty fly, dude, most of the time. Yeah. I know. I saw uh, your
1: first car that you bought, or that car that you bought.
2: Yeah, that, yeah, the Impala. No, the the, the, Jeep? the Jeep. Oh yeah.
1: Yeah, yeah that thing is. Yeah, that's, out how, of this world. that's yeah.
2: how we're yeah. living. That's how <laughs> that's what recovery looks like. Yeah, that's what recovery the looks like. The big book like, says
0: being all powerfully provided what we needed if we kept close to him, performed his work well. In my experience, God's provided everything I need and want. Every that's single time. Every yeah. single time, but you got to put the work in and and your life reflects that today. And we're going to get to that here in a minute. Yeah. Um, but it wasn't your time to find recovery yet. And so you're out for 11 months. You go back to typically anytime anyone comes back to prison, we're like, you know, what's up? Or they come back to treatment. Haley, you're like, what happened? Exactly. And you're like, well, I went back to what I knew. Or it's like, I met this girl, this girl, or guy. in your case, girl or guy it could be exactly. either one. You keep A it. Myster- both ways. You keep whoa. it. You keep it mysterious. <laughs> he
1: says, whoa, <laughs> <laughs> Haley, you just keep, never know. With Haley. Me. Yeah. You're real. I love who I love. Yes, I can't you help do. help it.
0: And you don't discriminate on your love. No, that's very nice of you, Haley. That's cool. But yeah. I'm pretty selfish with it, so it's yeah. if you're a little in my inner now. circle, <laughs> you're good. Yeah. <laughs> and so you know, you end up going back to prison, and you know, you got to tell everyone what you went back. You did another three and a half year prison sentence where we run back into each other, and you know, what'd you have? A few pounds of meth, and you know, twenty six kilos of cocaine. I mean, what happened
2: when you got arrested? Three Suboxone strips. Three strips. Dang. They raided my house in Mesa. Like uh, they didn't find the work work. They found three boxing strips and basically gave me one point two three years per strip. Slayed me. I was on oh my probation. Gosh. Career drug dealer on probation. They're they're doing their best to get me off of the streets. It was within the parameters of the law and they hammered me, you know? So yeah. yeah that's and a, I mean, A
0: Z don't play. They got that sensing chart. All they know is that whatever you got arrested for is a F four, mm-hmm. felony four. You got Second sec- category. Second category, you got these priors and they just kinda like yep there you go three and a half
2: years yeah, that's they don't cool. really care about actually your story. actually it was four and a half years they gave me some love. They gave me some love and then gave me a seven year probation tell. Oh, you got that seven piece probation did that you know
0: Probation's easy when you're not using and you're doing the right thing when we work recovery dude probation is nothing
2: yeah right. I like I I get salty sometimes because my PO shows up like my PO is gonna stop by the house every week. my PO is gonna stay on top of me about my fines but that's how my higher power works today like i actually like i I probably need need that that accountability you know and um, we all do but it's not hard i do what i'm supposed to do and it's not hard
0: you know yeah and so then we run back into each other when you come back you were in a different yard and you were on you know you're at steiner unit stick steiner Mm -hmm. you know what they say that was like a third world country over there. How's Is it go? Hey, do that one more time.
1: <laughs> a little jabby jab. Yeah, yeah, little, that's, that that you, that's what I, that's what, that's what, when you
0: hear that, that's what you think about. Someone's getting shanked. That's yeah. all I know. Yeah, yeah You're yeah. not wrong. Yeah. And so then, you know, you start to figure out like, you know, you want to do something different and, you know, now we know it to be God and God brings you over back to Florence, North unit where shout out North unit recovery, go to Facebook, like our page, um, be a part of it. You know, the reco- God was on that yard and, and it's a fact to me. It's an undeniable fact. And so, you know, you end up uh, coming to orientation. We see each other, mm-hmm. right? And I'm just going to put you on blast. You were up all night because you did some meth as soon as you hit the yard. Right so away. You, so you hadn't slept with a, firm a resu- too. with a firm resolution not to use. And you had all to make all these changes in your life. And then, you know, and here we are again. And so when we run into each other in orientation, I invite you to that first meeting. Share that
2: first meeting experience. That first meeting, uh, I was reading, what is the NA program? And while I was reading what the NA program was, like it was answering a lot of the questions that I've been asking myself my whole life. Right. Like, why am I like this? Why do I feel like this? Why do I keep losing everything? And um, as I started reading it, I something inside of me broke. You know, <clears throat> tears started coming to my eyes, and I was so embarrassed because there was about fifty guys in that room. Those fifty dudes in that room. I was scared to death. I did not want to look up at everyone. I thought that there would be ridicule and and laughter and, and, you know, everybody making fun of me. And when I finally did get the courage to look up and look around at the guys that I was around, all I saw was love, hope, and caring and understanding. And for years after that day, people would approach me and they'd be like, Tony, like, I remember that first meeting when you walked in there and how – when you got emotional, we all knew that that was it for you. Mm.
0: When I see tears in people's eyes in meetings, when they come in their first meeting and they got tears in their eyes, typically they say don't approach people and ask them to be their sponsor. But when they start crying in meetings or their first one, I'm right. like, hey, bro, I'm your sponsor, just so you know.
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
1: That's yeah, good, though, because sometimes we don't have the courage to, There, you know, a lot of our clients struggle with the, having the courage to ask somebody to be their sponsor. So mm. I feel yeah. like if we had more people kind of be like, no. You're yeah. with me. Come on, yeah, let's go. Yeah, you
0: know, but it's that pain. It's right. all about pain, man. And when, you know, it's capitalizing on that pain and getting recovery, not relief. And that's what happens right. usually. You know, we get a little bit of relief and mistake it for recovery and we go back out. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, later on that night, you know, you asked me to be your sponsor, right? I chose up. Yeah, you chose up. You know what I mean? And yeah, that's what happened.
1: So here's the romance now. Yeah. And yeah.
0: so, and then, dude, we got busy, bro. We lived in the same hut. We met daily. <clears throat> You know, shout out Ms. Franz, moderate substance abuse treatment where I worked. You worked up there with me. I got you a job up there. We worked together in between groups. We were doing step work together. You know, you worked all the steps. You know, you, you started doing service commitments. What, do you remember what that time period was like for you?
2: Well, it was uncomfortable and awkward, if I'm being honest. You know, I was surprising myself more and more, like, every day by not using. But uh, I'd hear people talk about their pink clouds and, like, how great their lives were. And I didn't feel that right away, but I knew that I had nothing to lose by by doing my best by trying, and that I could look at you and see visual confirmation that recovery is possible, and if you can do it, then I can do it. but well, I just had to figure it out so in the in the beginning, it was just a lot of like hard work and and learning and like um and and starting to figure things out about me. Like, what was making me tick? Like, why did I have these feelings? Like, the who, what, where, when, how of Tony, you know? And then um, after a while, like, what was so awkward and uncomfortable and unnatural, like, it started to become comfortable and natural and not awkward. And I began to gain confidence. But still, though, like, at North Union, like you said, God was there. Like, I'm never hurt anybody experience anything like we experienced there i honestly didn't know how much i'd grown until i went to a different yard and there was no recovery there then all of a sudden uh, i realized i was a big deal like what i did was a big deal you know
0: yeah we had i mean the type of recovery that we had there man it's you know it's something that is almost legendary at this point it really was and the men that were on that yard the you know all the facilitators that are that came in and pepe and you know big tom and bill and yeah and you know and, and shout out you know rick you know they came rain or shine christmas day christmas eve new no year's day what. no matter what they were there and uh you know we found recovery there we worked together there you had service commitments you were sponsoring other men there and then they shut the yard down and they branched all of us out that was god's plan for us to take that recovery to all these other yards Scattered us like seeds
1: all yeah, over. Arizona. They,
0: they scattered us all over and then you started your own meetings there. And you, But got- that
1: was God right there too, right? He was setting you guys up to send you guys out like soldiers mm-hmm. and that always like... Thinking yeah about it, it gives me chills yeah literally yeah it was, i love
0: it yeah it was it was all in god's plan and every single one of the guys from the north unit fellowship started meetings and you know extra meetings and more meetings and spread the message of hope and and love and tolerance and forgiveness and understanding and god's will and and work the steps and you know that's what you did on the new yard you went to and then you got released you went to a re-entry facility mm-hmm. and uh you know what was it like having to go to another facility straight from the
2: yard oh, i was pissed like if i'm keeping it real here like i was salty like my interstate compact got rejected like i had nowhere to go out here i didn't want to go into that program but i needed to go into a program i needed some kind of stability until i could figure out like what i was going to do next because even though i did recovery for the last couple years in prison i've never done it out here before right so i did that so that i could transition into the world and what I realized right away after I was done being pissed and after the tears dried up again, because I'm a crybaby. Like, we know yeah, I'll cry a over a macaroni and cheese commercial. Yes, you will. Like, um, once I was there, I was going to do that. And that's where I actually learned really how to facilitate groups. Like, how I really saw what recovery had done. And I haven't stopped, you know. Like, I, I used that as my training field. I did my groups to pay the rent. At night, I'd set my life up. And by the time my 90 days was up, it wasn't going to be another day more than 90. Like, I was dead set on that. I'd have a car. I'd have a job. I'd be in a place. I'd be ready to go.
0: Like, And you did that. I did that. Yeah. you, You got a car, and now you got a better car. You had a, you got right into a job. You not only do you work for us in recovery, but you also run a sober living home. Shout out to all my guys at the Citrus. Yeah, house. <laughs> shout out to the Citrus House and your guys. If you're looking for sober living, give them a call, man. it will help you, help you get in. His phone never stops ringing. He'll help you with anything you need, just like Haley will, just mm-hmm. like I will. Reach out to us, man. Look us up on social media. Call the emissions line. You know, reach out to Facebook and TikTok and Instagram. We're all everywhere, man. Sanctuary right. Recovery Centers, man. Look us up. Reach out to us. But that's what you did, man. You got an Impala. Now you got a Jeep, a a ridiculously nice Jeep. It's a little something. Yeah,
2: it's a little something. It's a little something.
0: And, you know, you got sponsees, you got, we have a service commitment together, which you know showed last night, by the way. Thank you very much. you're getting called out. No, but you want to know what's funny is he told me about his back and I already knew that what he was really telling me was he wasn't going to be there tonight.
2: You know, I don't got to live like that
0: no more. But I'm going to keep it I think after all his injuries,
1: though, if his back's hurting, I'm assuming it's probably hurting. yeah.
0: Yeah, we'll have to talk about that later. But anyways, regardless of the fact, man, that you're accountable, dude, you got multiple, multiple sponsees, multiple service commitments, you run a sober living, you know, you work here you got a car your relationship with your um with your son is is slowly but surely coming back in on god's time you know you got good i mean i mean the credit score the financial stuff it's all coming every single thing is coming around and i told you which was three years ago just about you'll be celebrating three years of recovery when's your sobriety
2: date july 26th July 2019.
0: July 26, 2019, you'll be celebrating 3 years of recovery. And I told him way back when in, in our moderate treatment substance moderate treatment substance abuse building with Ms. Franz in there, I said when we get out of here, we're going to work in recovery together. We're going to get the whole squad together, this North Unit fellowship, and we're going to help a lot of people. And that's what we've done. We got Preston. We got Rashawn, We got Justin. We got you.
1: Is Patrick part of that group? We got too? Patrick,
0: yeah. right? We got Patrick, you know, and all the other guys along the way, man. We've built this team here with you know solid recovery with a passion for this thing, dude. And that's what you've brought. And so, mm-hmm. you know, currently Tony is our you know lead BHT over at one of our PHP houses for the um, for our IOPs. He's there works the three to eleven shift you know, and he is that, just that shining example to all of our clients, you know, what recovery can be, and he's, you know, supports them along their way Mm -hmm. in this journey, so if you could say just a couple things about what it's like, just to close this out, what life's like for you today, and what it's like working for the company, man, just kind
2: of put that out there, and we'll kind of close with that. Well, life is amazing, you know, like you, like you just said, credit, like, who's worried about credit when you're out in the streets, you know, like, I've built up my credit, like, I've, I became responsible, you know, like I um and I I've helped a lot of people, you know? Like um I I never imagined in a million years my life would be anything like this. Like I I'm doing coda right now to work on myself, a different level of recovery inside of myself. I never stop learning. But um as far as sanctuary, like sanctuary is my sanctuary. Like when I went into my interview with Yolanda, like, um, and she told me her vision and how it wasn't about, you know, the numbers. It was about quality of care Mm. and about helping people that acclimate, you know, to the world that are in recovery. Like, that's what I needed. And that's what I love helping people with. Every time a guy graduates from my house, like I'm so grateful, like so grateful that I could have played a role in, in his life or her life that I could help them to find jobs that I could help them to to start to look into credit I'm teaching humans how to be better humans by being a better human Mm. and I couldn't ask for anything more than that um I've came to terms I've I've surrendered to my higher power and I've lost a lot of prejudice about the church you know and about organized religion because if you ask me what religion I am. I'd say I'm AA. Like, I do this religiously, you mm-hmm. know? And um, that's all I could say, bro. Like, all of you guys, like Haley, Jason, like Topher, like everyone, everyone here, we're all solid people. Mm-hmm. And you hear about people, like, they're on their way to work salty because they got drama with this person or that person. We don't have that shit. Like, I feel more, I feel less stress coming to work than I do going home. I love sanctuary mm. and, and I we, never want to stop feeling this way.
0: And we love having you, man. And yep. it's just to share this moment with you, dude, it's just an extreme, extreme. I told you, I told you, you did. I did that. I did tell you, dude. And it's just, it's so powerful just to, for everything God's plan, now, God's crazy. plan to come to fruition, man, to right. to have this team and assemble it with all the guys, man. And it's just, it's unbelievable. Really, it's believable after all the experiences I've had now with God working in my life. Mm. But reach out to us, man. Come be a part of what we got going on here. Haley, where can they find us at?
1: They can find us on TikTok, Instagram, Facebook, and it's all at Sanctuary Recovery Centers.
0: Let's put our admissions phone number out there.
1: Our admissions line is 480-309-9945
0: call the number, man, ask some questions, look for us, find us, like our stuff, subscribe it. For all of our listeners across the country, man, you know, continue to follow us and share our material. If you want to be on the podcast, reach out to us. If you want to come share your message of experience, strength, and hope, if you work for another facility, get at us, man. We want to have you on here. Cause again, as always, I say it all the time, cause it couldn't be more true. Recovery is a team. And so let's come be a part of our team over here at Sanctuary Recovery Center. So thank you for being on the show. Thank, thank you. you next time